Okay, happy podcasting day. Welcome, welcome. Do I usually introduce you first, right? Yeah. Okay, I was just, yeah. <laughs> I was just waiting. I was like, mm, I'm Rachel, but here's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> so who are you? I'm Jess Anderson mm-hmm. from photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. You can also search for my private group for women 18 years or older. It's Boudoir Photos with Anderson. And actually, I'm excited because last week I took the painstaking eight hours to update my website. So if you go to photoswithanderson.com, you can actually preview some boudoir photos directly on my website. I'm so thankful and grateful that I reached out to some past clients and got their approval to post. I saw in the Facebook group you put some stunners up. Yeah, and I got their approval to post on my public webpage for the whole world to see. Dang, dang. I'm pretty excited about some of those. That's awesome. Congratulations to those women, too. Way to go. Right? That stuff feels good. Mm -hmm. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, um, like I said, I'm Rachel. You know that already. Probably. And you can find me, Vote for Parties, on Instagram to follow the story. Also on Facebook, too. Goes there, too. Um, private VIP page right to be 18 years or older. And a feminine energy to be a part of if you're into some sexual wellness, intimacy, building, all the things. I think I shortened this up. Well, tell you tell me. Okay, here's how you can find me, all right? You can do a free in-home party if you'd like to build sexual wellness and intimacy needs and earn free product to do so. Otherwise, you can consider the empowerment class while I will help to empower you in all areas of your life, including wealth, relationships, mental and physical well-being, spirituality, and passion. Or you can also earn a uh, one-to-one consultation. Oh, I said earn. So this is, I'm still practicing this commercial, right? Mm-hmm. You can work with one-to-one coaching, mentoring services if you want. And lastly, if you're looking for an opportunity in health and wellness in whatever capacity, hit me up. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we'll see if that works. Empowerment classes coming up. Oh. All right. <laughs> so today uh, we want to give a shout out to Ashley, who uh, is just so kind to have been sharing the word about the podcast and the photos and the wellness page mm-hmm. and all the things. Um, I think she's going to take the empowerment class, too. Oh, awesome. So she said that she uh, listens to the podcast, which we love. If you guys did not know, you can totally share it. It's free to do so, and it makes you beautiful. It's a fact. Um, we do it for free. <laughs> yeah, we do it for free. Yeah, yeah, because we, we are getting great feedback, and it's so sweet. Um, so someone you might love wants to hear this message. So her request was for us to discuss parenting. She said that she thought we could kill it. And I just appreciate that. Yeah. Um, cause I think we could kill it. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, have such an, a variety of exposures, not only to family types, but, um, children types, biological, non-biological, uh, step bonus, God, nieces, nephews, yeah. I think when we try to add it up, but I mean, I, I know that I'm close to a dozen in my life. At least, I mean, and I mean under over, I'm not even sure. I'd say it's closer to 15, 20 kids oh that range from I, babies to yeah. just turn 18. My, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Thank God mine do not range that much in age, but my oldest that I'm super close, well, I guess if you ex- include my younger brother who is in fact only 15 um then the kids in my my life that i am actually close to range from the ages of like four months old to 15 well 
Theoretically pre-baking. Pre-baking, yes, because Harper is literally attached to me yes. <laughs> on the inside, so I have unborn to 15 yeah, years old of yeah. age, so yeah. So and technically, I, I consider that part of my life, too, so. Yeah, so, yeah, so a, for real, for the entire gamut. Yeah, quite an age range. Yeah. That's awesome. And so many personalities and so many uh, parental figures that are influencing these children. So, yeah, I do, I, I feel like that was a, a very kind thing for her to say, that she felt like we would be qualified to do so, so I'm happy to, to do that. Um, so, one of the things that I think we could start with is... The blended family. I think that the blended family needs to have more recognition in a sense that it is definitely more common mm -hmm. than we probably give it credit now. You know, because I think that, you know, we one thing you talk about is divorce rate, which I know is under over 50% somewhere, yeah. right? Like I think it's, it's 48 or 47 or something. I don't know. That might feel highs, but anyways. But that's not the my point. My point was that that only considers you know, recognize marriages. It doesn't consider relationships, you know, out of wedlock. It doesn't consider, um, well, I mean, uh, any type of adoptive or foster care, yeah. you know, where there is no marriage involved or whatever, um, or just aunts, aunts and uncles taking care of siblings, all that, those things. So there, when you talk about traditional families, I definitely think that there is a stigmatic image of, it's a husband and a wife with children. With 2.5. 2.5. So I always think three and a dog. Well, yeah, I always do. Like, I always think two kids and a dog. Me too. Is, Me too. Funny. Um, but that's not the norm. There is no norm. No. And that's the problem. One, the, I think it's one of the very first things we fight is, you know, well, we feel like, I, I already feel like an outsider because I don't. I'm not that all-American thing. Yes. Which is, that, whether you want it or not, you still feel it. Yes, and that's such an important thing to hit on, is that, unbeknownst to us, because I don't think that we as a society or we as a culture or as a generation did this on purpose, and it might, I mean, I think it stems from a generation or two backwards, um, because we are millennials. <laughs> um, but anyways... Um, there is some sort of emotional attachment to the idea of the perfect American family with mom and dad, yeah. 2.5 biological children yeah. that has been ingrained in us that, that you are not as, as perfect or as worthy or whatever, or as much of a family as somebody who does have both mom and dad and two biological children in the home. Yeah. Like, Yours means less as a, in recognition of your, exactly. the world's perspective. Yes, and I think, I mean, I can understand, like, yes, I think it was a cultural thing because of movies and TVs and what was depicted. Oh, I on, also think it was a religious thing. Oh, and, oh, a religious maybe more view. so than anything, yes. Yes. Um, but I also think it's it comes from, stems from a little bit that so many people have been divorced and or remarried or just, you know, remained single for the rest of their time. Yeah. That there is um like a cultural mourning for the like oh sure you know your blended family only exists because somebody else's air quotes if you can't you can't see me on my podcast here but air quotes somebody else's perfect family or original family failed. you know failed so that's the only reason that your second family your blended family could exist so it. I know for myself, and I've heard you say it before too, that like when you when we're talking about or thinking about our spouses, ex-wives, or ex-partners, there is a little bit of a I don't want to 
rub it in her face that I'm ha I'm so happy because I understand fully that the only reason I'm with this partner is because their relationship failed. Right, and it had to for me to get this. Yes. So, and, and I, I don't know with Tony, because your husband is, he is like my big brother in life, and I idolize him like a big brother, so I don't want to say he's perfect, but he <laughs> pretty much is. But with, with Brett especially, like, he did so much growing up, um, and people tell me this all the time, and you've told me so much about him because you happened to know my fiancé before I met him. Mm -hmm. You grew up with him. I did. Um, but I don't think that I would have... I would have found the version of Brett um, that I have that I get to <laughs> grow with now if he had not gone through a divorce, if he had not gone through a failed relationship because... From, if he had not even been a father. Yeah, because from day one of our... Like, literally, we, we met on Bumble. A week later, we met in person. And on our first in-person date, like, he... The things that he was telling me was just about how, like, you know, he recognizes already from only being separated at that point from his wife for, like, six or eight months that he already could tell, like, where he failed as as a husband, as a partner, and where he need, where he wanted to step up for his next partner and the things that he wanted to do better on as a person. And so it's, like, it's one of those, I think I just, I met him at the right, right time. Right, right. That he, he was going through exponential personal growth, yeah. and so was I. Yes. For other reasons. And so it's... Yeah, you were too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was coming out of, you know, a... a, a Unofficial, a toxic a relationship. Toxic, a toxic affair with a married gentleman uh -huh. who is no longer married. Thank God his wife or ex-wife Not to deserves, a surprise. No, his ex-wife deserves so much more in life. Um, we both do, so I'm glad that she and I are both happy now. Uh -huh. um, but anyways, so yeah, so it, it's this... It's almost like this... Ta it's taboo to talk about, and I wish... I'm glad that you and I talk about such taboo topics and that we feel comfortable talking about things like blended families in a light of they should be considered the norm because they are the it's majority. more common. Yeah, yeah they are the majority yeah. now than the... And it doesn't mean norm. that your traditional family is wrong. It no. just is one version. Yes. One and, version. And my blended family is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It is more... It, ha it has to be... It's more focused on the fact that the blended family just needs more support. It just needs more recognition in terms of, is you just make it work. You got to make it work. Yeah. And and I I would almost beg to say, I just feel like that it does come with more complexities. Oh, it does. Just because there's more people involved, yes. and it's not a that makes mine harder than yours. It just means that logically speaking. More, more emotions are involved, more perspectives are involved, oh, more I think that mine's right over yours versus I'm trying to do the right thing. Like, there's so many things. There's so many things. I mean, I have a great example. Um, my So, Brett has a stepson from his previous marriage. So, now that he is divorced from his ex-wife, he legally has no relation to his stepson. But everyone still recognizes that he was in his stepson's life for 10 plus years helped raise him, was a dad to him, is still a dad to him, um, and still ha has a work, like a growing relationship with this 13-year-old person um, to the point that, you know, his stepson's biological father still includes Brett in um, things like extracurricular activities for his stepson, Ethan. And, you know, we just went this week to Ethan's football game, his youth football game, and it was so hot. Oh, it was miserable outside, but it was, 
I almost had to keep my pregnant self from crying multiple times because sitting in, in the stands was Ethan's biological dad, Ethan's ex-stepdad technically, Ethan's ex-stepdad's new fiance, who is me, who is pregnant with a child who is not in any way related to Ethan, but Ethan already claims him, Harper as his little sister and is excited for her birth. But then it also was Ethan's stepsister from his stepmom. So his stepmom was not in attendance. She wasn't able to be, and neither was um, his biological mom and his two half-siblings from his biological mom and Brett. Um, this but feels the, like a wicked game of Brady Bunch. It, it was, but but if you, like I'm trying to paint it as easy to understand as possible. Well, you just all all you need to know is that the message is is that the more more loving hands yes. involved, the better off you're gonna be. Yes, like he Ethan has and will always have at least three sets of parents. Right, like, which is which is beautiful because I don't think that his dad and stepmom will get divorced. They are amazing together. Well, so but even have, if they do, so yeah, so, so then he'll have yeah, then he'll have four. Yeah, then he gets more people. He'll, get, he'll have four sets of parents, and it's it works. It, it's not easy by any means because you know with COVID being a thing, they just announced that they're considering only letting each player have two um, persons in attendance for every game. So each week, he'll have to decide which two people get to come cheer cheer him on and support him when he knows that he has such a large group of of people that want to be there for him zoom it in it's fine right yeah but it it's still it's hard not to cry when you think about how well we get along right now with yeah but we talk parents. about that right like that's that is one i just said this saturday morning in the empowerment class was like hey y'all now that you know you can't know right mm -hmm. but get ready for it because it's one of the hardest parts of your life is that when you are aware you start crying over your gratitude. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing because it it's, you definitely want to cry out of joy than you more out of sorrow, mm -hmm. of course. Of course, which is a weird concept because I grew up never crying. I, yeah, I don't even remember as a kid, like maybe over a toy or something. I don't know. But I grew out of frustration or anger because well, I Well, definitely because more I, despair. Because I didn't want to punch people and get in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were definitely angry. I was definitely, oh, God, I was, I was a whiner. Oh, no. I, I had a lot of self-loathing, for sure. Well, so, same, but I was definitely an angry person that understood and was aware enough to know that it wasn't okay to hit people when you're angry at them. <laughs> so that made it more frustrating. So it made it more frustrating, so I just <laughs> cried. Because I was just like, I want to hit you. I want to hit you. You suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yes, I think that all of that's really important. Um, and to know, by the way, that because like, I came from a traditional family, literally 2.5 and a dog. <laughs> Uh, no cat until I was like, um, probably middle school. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but yeah. 2.5 was three kids and then the dog. Um, and my parents were married until I was like 25. So it is just as important to note that the traditional doesn't always work out, obviously, because that's why we end up with this high percentage of people who are separated mm -hmm. or divorced. Um, but if you've listened to any of the podcasts before or saw, I listened to any of the Facebook lives, that was such a major impact on me more so than two parents who have split up who can co-parent well because that they recognize that it's no longer about the fact that this relationship doesn't work. It's about the fact that they have, have, they have birthed a, a human together yeah. and the responsibility is making sure that you guide that human and influence that human the best that you can so that they do not have to relive any of the traumas that you 
are too pussyfooting around to heal yourself from. Oh, God, yeah. Because you're just operating out of an autopilot behavior of hurt and pain and ego of, I deserved better than that. Well, yeah, you damn well did, but are you just going to sit around and be mad at that person for never giving it to you or work on yourself and say what you will and will not tolerate from here on out and start putting the energy out for that shit? Exactly. And I wanted to just... Two things. One... It's so important to note that if you are, if you find yourself going through a breakup or a divorce with somebody that you have children with, Mm -hmm. and you're finding yourself in a lot of frustration or anger or sadness and hurt, just know that that's not where you want to live mentally for the rest of time. It's okay to grieve the ending of your relationship, but it's also beautiful to look forward to what, what you want like you want to welcome and ask the universe for to bring to your life because you you don't I don't know I don't want to live in that feeling of frustration and anger for the rest of time or I think you have to boil it down be more vague with it and it's more like you don't want to live in the place where you feel like people owe you oh yes because you'll never feel full yes you'll never feel full and you'll continuously compare your happiness as a result of other people's actions yes and all the time uh, i have found i have gotten so much power from finally understanding and i have to remind myself of it daily yeah it never goes away never goes away but i have you're human i have pulled so much power especially from my current situation that no one can make me feel any certain way i I choose yes i choose to feel frustrated by a situation i choose to feel anger or resentment or whatever feeling comes to mind that is a choice, and that is energy that I am choosing to to, to dedicate it during, to that to that situation, to that person, to that feeling, whatever. And they should have done this. They should have yes, said that. They exactly. could have done me better. I thought that they were better. All that stuff. Yes. Like, yeah. um, you know, why wasn't I enough for them? Why? Like, why? Yes. Why didn't what I do? How could they think that would make me happy? Yes. Whatever. Yeah. And I have to give a major kudos shout out to my other BFF, Brittany. Because she she is currently, um, well, I guess it's finalized. So she just recently got divorced. But she is learning how she, how her co-parenting situation is going with her ex-husband. And things are not going as smoothly as either of them had, had hoped for between the two of them. But the way that she is handling herself and navigating it is so much better than I... Because I'm still in the... When she messages me at a, like to vent or for frustration, my petty quote-unquote white ghetto person from 2008 comes out and I give her like my hatred and anger response and then she screenshots the response she actually sends to her ex-husband and it's so much more mature and so much more she takes herself and her emotion out of it and just focuses on the kids and the communication between her and her ex-husband is so much better she should not be talking to you then when she's that upset or when she's going through something if you cannot give her that what she needs yes but I am so proud of her. Yeah, and she I am is, too. She is teaching me so much by, like, she is taking the time to feel her feelings and to navigate and figure out the the response that she actually wants to have instead of acting on those instant re- reactions and emotions. And I just... I well, I would, I would take it, though, one step further. It's not just about, you know, the, the emotion she wants to have. It's just recognizing that, like, what you had said before. It's like... Whatever whatever came out of his mouth and all of a sudden I felt this pang in the rib cage. What was that? 
Because it wasn't that he called me a bitch or he said that I'm going to take the kids away from you, right? It was fear of what? It was fear of taking the kids away means fear of... Being alone. Correct. And right. And dying alone. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. It always boils down to what what is the fear of? Well, spoiler alert, it's always fear of death. And we could give you 50 examples and we, we will. We'll, we'll back it up. But that's what it is, right? Is that, that That's what she was she's doing really well at is... Yeah. This is not about me, but it makes me feel a certain way. So I can either throw the ball back and make it bigger, faster, stronger, more hurtful, more painful, because that's my defense and ego saying mm-hmm. that he deserves to treat me better. Or it can be he's acting out of his fear yes. of thinking I'm going to do the same things to him when that's not my intention. My intention is to make him feel secure as a parent because I should want that right. for my girls. I should want a good male figure. Yeah. To influence them. So how should I respond? Exactly. Perfect. All right. So what else were you going to say? No. I, that's basically just all I wanted to no, say. No, I didn't mean to steal it. Sorry. No, no. It's fine. I just wanted you to, explained I wanted, it much well, I, better. I just feel like that's what, that's, that's what has always helped me is like, you know, you could read the Bible, but the Bible is so biblical. It's just like, what are they saying? Like, it's just not updated. It's never been modernized. So I read a lot of books that kind of do that. It's basically like spirituality for dummies, you know, but it just is like, oh, so the more generic we can make it, the easier it is to be digestible, which makes it more, I I don't want to say believable because it's like, that feels like a convention, but it's not, it's like a, no, I could see that being mm-hmm. logical. I could see how that would be. You break it down to yeah. where you can understand it to be Digestible logical. is the easiest way for me to say yeah. that, yeah. I like it. Cool! Yeah. So, um, yeah, co-parenting. That is, um, for me, I am in a household where it's just like both sides of the fence. I've got, and you are too, you are too, because with how you have Ethan, you have mm-hmm. a, one example of open conversation and dialogue and an actual established relationship and yeah. well wishes for, not to say that you guys do not have well wishes, that's very important to note for um, Brett's ex-wife. Um, it's just that it, it's easier to manifest those well wishes <laughs> because of the open communication and the open mm-hmm. dialogue. Mm-hmm. and the agreement that we're here for this kid. Yeah. Um, there's less pride involved. There's yes. less ego involved. Oh, yeah. And I... There's less fear involved. I fell back in love even more with Brett the day that he... Um, he was very open and honest with how he acted while he was married to his ex-wife towards the father, the biological father of Ethan. And that he, for his own ego, his own, like, you know, wanting to feel like an actual parent in Ethan's life, and he was the stepdad to Ethan, that he, he was very hostile at times Mm, towards, towards, territorial, territorial towards Ethan's dad. And now that Brett is no longer directly part of that equation, but is still, you know, somewhat involved, he's been able to reflect and see how actual, like, you know, cause I, I guess, let me take a step back. I feel like we've all gotten to a place where we just vent or talk crap about, other people to make ourselves feel better, but we don't realize that we don't know that's why we're doing that's it. Not, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so he admits to doing that sure. to Ethan's dad, but now we've all you know it. he Brett has opened up to Ethan's dad and just been like, Hey, like you know, I, I recognize that you've created stability for Ethan and you've you know gotten the type of discipline that is helping correct behavior that none of us want in, in a 13 year old 
son or child that you know you are doing what's best for Ethan and you you know you've had to stick to the parenting plan at times and be a little bit more strict with the co-parenting because you were doing what was best for Ethan and not because of your own personal pride or ego or whatever I mean I'm sure that at some points sometimes or at some point in life there was that coming back from Ethan's dad but Brett was very I guess vulnerable I would say and owned up to his own behavior apologized for it and then commended Ethan's dad for genuine things that that Brett admires in him and I think that that's what kind of opened up the line the direct line of communication between the two guys because there wasn't always like when Brett was married right exactly there was not that direct open communication and it happened after the fact yeah but I think it's when both men realized that hey no hard feelings between like whatever like we both yeah we both had failed relationships with the same woman like no like there we're not we're not in competition with each other we're literally just here for Ethan and we want to make sure that he's doing well in life and is happy and loved from all areas and I do think that that's what's helped and now you know it's gotten to the point now where I'm I've befriended and have direct open communication with Ethan's stepmom so like you know there it's it's nothing but love from the point of view of Ethan like we all have his best interests in mind which yeah I'm happy and all warm and fuzzy inside yeah for sure and um you know, for people that are like, oh, well, that sounds fantastic and good for you, but I hope that you sit on a red-hot poker. <laughs> um, you just got to understand, like, I, I believe that Jess was very fortunate in the best way possible uh, that that happened fairly quickly within your relationship with Brett. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I would say, I would, for me as well, it didn't take very much time because I grew sick and tired of the relationship I was having with my ex quickly. Yeah. Um, but that's only because I was so fortunate to be growing independently. Yeah. And um, I had a really great relationship with my husband that helped with that at the time. He was just my boyfriend then. But it's it's so important to note, like, when Brett... That's yours. Brent, uh, <laughs> who is my biological son's father, and I separated, it was very bitter and very angry and very tumultuous and very can full of conflict and uh and discord and anxiety and all the things so you know it doesn't necessarily have to happen overnight and it doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen overnight um but the biggest thing i can say that comes out of it is just again it's really for yourself it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with them but the more relief you give yourself the the faster it seeps over to them whether they like it or not so it either becomes a i I like that i want more of it so i'm going to reach out and do the same thing i'm going to start caring less about my own ego so everybody starts caring less about their ego or it is so much of a hindrance to them because they hate how how great you've become that they'll put up a higher wall but there's nothing you can do about that except for bless your heart, tell yourself every day that you're doing the best you can with what you can. Mm-hmm. And that's so difficult because it's just like, what's the relief? And I hate to say this because it's going to be like, that's seriously what you're going to tell me is the answer. You just have to think about how miserable they are. And I don't mean like you benefit from it. Like you're like, oh, that makes me happy that they're suffering. It's like, 
that sucks because you remember where you were at a time yeah. like that. You remember how you felt. You remember how insecure, how the fear of dying alone drove everything you did. Yeah. Everything you did. So, um, for me, um, you know, I've shared this story, not on the podcast before, but in life before with that. I was, it's unfortunate that I had gotten so much from being in a relationship with Tony and learning how to decide what I wanted in a relationship with my ex, um, because it doesn't work as well for him, even though the tools are there, the wall is higher. Yeah. Wall is higher. And I know a very specific story that planted the seed for me when I was incredibly, an a very young and immature split, recently split from a fiance woman hearing a story. So uh, what I mean by that is that like I was talking to my husband, boyfriend at the time, um, new in our relationship about something that was happening on his side with um like like a rumor coming back that there was like a comparison to parenting mm -hmm. and that it was that tony was terrible at it like something like yeah. that it's, it just needs to be that vague for you to understand right so me of course i say well you need to say this and you need to say that and you need to say this you need to say that because it's like me even though it's just like hurtful speak it's mm -hmm. like this is what you have to say it's, you know, the intention is because I need to defend you. You are a great human. You are an amazing father. How dare they? You know, it's not being translated adequately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then he said to me, I can't do that, Rachel. And I was furious with him. Furious with him. Because, again, it, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing, you know, there, my, like, my name was not even mentioned in this rumor conversation. It was like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> because why? Why? Because two people's opinion over there that don't know us personally, do not know him personally, get one side of the perspective, which is very hurt, understandably, mm -hmm. you know, hasn't healed yet, whatever. You care that much that even if they were to walk away and tell whoever they knew about you that she'll never meet or ever see or they'll ever remember your name about the story that you're like that affected by it and you know I didn't talk to him at first but like after I cooled off and we came back together and I was just like I just don't understand like you know I, I just need you to defend like you're such a great dad and blah blah, blah. you know and he said he very logically like it does me no good it does me no good to say these things because those aren't things that she thinks about me. They're just not. So it's not going to change her idea. And all it's going to do is impact my son in some way. And it was just like, still was like, yeah. of course, you know, it was just like, it was less angry and more like more hurt, which is, you know, important because the recognition is that you're changing the mood. You're changing the, the feeling, the emotion, you're getting closer to the awareness of what it is. Um, which is where you're trying to get to is relief, right? Mm -hmm. But that was one of the first things that it was like that changed my conversation a lot. Like I did a lot of fiery texting back yeah. to my ex sometimes and be like, <sighs> backspace, 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 you know? Um, <clears throat> and just like we talked about earlier, it never stops. It never stops. It doesn't mean that when the text comes through or the missed call, you know, straight to voicemail, whatever it is that's, you know, happening, 
it doesn't mean that it still doesn't go, why? Why do I have to deal with this? Well, because this is your life. And you may not have asked for this, but this was the hand you were dealt. And you did ask for it. You just didn't know that, by the yeah, way. Yeah. But um, you've survived 100% of the things that you didn't think you could before. So take three deep breaths. Give yourself some grace. Know that you're doing the best you can. Because you truly, I mean, if you're not, then get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you tell me you're doing the best you can, then pat yourself on the back. Keep doing the best you can. But if you're like, Mah. I'm, I'm, I'm apathetic. That's not good. That's, yeah, that's no. into the void. That's the care, care could care less about nothing. Yeah, and I couldn't care don't, less. Yeah, I couldn't. I said it wrong. Yeah, I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. I do not envy those people. And I used to think that that was like life. Hashtag life goals was to just not have a care in the world and not feel emotion about anything. But like the more I've grown as a person and as an individual, I. I enjoy caring about other people. I enjoy Everybody does. They emotion. just don't remember it. Yeah. It's just... It's herd mentality. We're meant to. Yes. But it's... I, I feel like apathetic people come from a place of hurt and a place of feeling like they... Like they feel misunderstood and they feel sadness, but they don't want... They're not aware of their true feelings. Like they're putting up a front and they're very... It's... Uh, I think that there are true apathetic people who are m- medically incapable of feeling anything for anything. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's like psychotic. But yeah, like like there's a no empathy whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of people who think that they're apathetic, but when you actually start asking them questions about things, you realize that they actually care more than most people do. They're just trying not to come off that way or that they think that they don't care. Yeah, they're trying to convince themselves that they don't care. And they'll argue till they're dead that they don't care. Yes. About how they don't care. Yes, instead of just walking away like, nope, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so apathy is definitely a hard one, I think, because, like, it can be confused with contentment. Yeah. Because contentment's easygoing, and apathetic is don't care. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's a slippery slope depending on which direction you want to go. I think from time to time I absolutely go into apathetic because it's just like, it's don't. But I always feel like that there's a larger thing at hand from that. So you have to make sure that you definitely check in with your emotions and become very clear about, I mean, you already know how this person behaves, like you have a relationship with them. So you probably can recognize, you know, between the conversations you have with them, the actions versus the nonverbal actions Mm -hmm. that they give you you can kind of read what their intention is. And when you have been able to give yourself that moment, power of pause, where whatever they say to you or text you, you can go, hold on perception. This has nothing to do with me. So let me read it for what it is. Like I literally have just been going, like when, when, when I can feel tensions are getting high, I, I will just say something like, is there something you could suggest? Like what, like what would make you feel better about this because I think one it makes it diffuses the situation and it's also kind of like a what would make me feel better like am I being an asshole (laughs) maybe you don't know I don't know but but it does not do me any better to go well what am I doing wrong or like you tell me like I what would I what I what I don't know where it's going with that 
I just stammered off into the end. I just think that most people read it insultively. And, oh, 100%. And it can be meant that way because when there's frustrations about raising a little person, not everybody is able to give themselves that three-second pause. Okay. But it's not for them. It's for you. It's for the tension. It's for the anxiety. It's for the misrepresentation of what you're inferring the statement or emotion to I be. And I, I'm sitting here self-reflecting about all these conversations that I've had with Brett over the last six months um, of this custody situation that he's in with his ex-wife. And God, I wish I could re- like I could re. Well, you can't. <laughs> I but can't. you can't. I can't. You can't. But, but stop doing that because that is it. That's the problem. Your brain is so hyper-focused on all the things that went wrong before, not just with your conversations with Brett, but between the baby mama, between your parents and yeah. conversations about whatever, whatever, and now your brain is throwing them all in a barrel together and just stirring the pot, stirring the pot. Not yeah. because like it's like evil, your no. little monkey mind's evil, that's its job, is yes. to, to give you a guesstimate of what could potentially happen from what you know. Yes. Right? That's its job. I know, I just need to tattoo on my hand, like, the word perspective or something, like, something that reminds me. No, it just needs to be the word now. It needs to be the word now. Well, yes, I agree, but when I, because the the thing that I'm thinking or the train of thought that I'm on right now is that I'm well aware that these types of conversations are not going to just poof magically go away. Right. That they, they will be a part of my future at some point. I want a remind, I need... I want to find a way to remind myself to take that pause, like to have that perspective shift instead of having those fiery conversations or being, because the way that you're describing your interaction with Tony was, is exactly how I feel like I'm where I'm stuck. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the role I'm playing in Brett's life. And I recognize that that's not where I want to be and, or how I want any of us in this situation to react to things. So it's, but it's the, I'm, I also recognize that I'm human and it's like, it's hard not to act off emotion sometimes when you're not rem- tra- retraining your brain daily and you're not reminding yourself daily of certain things. So it's, it's a learning curve. It's a learning curve, but you do have to level up. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't stay the level that you're at and expect to. Exactly. Like so, you've planted the seed. Yeah. And it's either that you were walking away from the seed and you keep forgetting. Oh, and then you run back on day 18 and water the seed. Right. Or whatever. Like, I planted that seed. I watered it. I made sure that there was sun and I got a little wiser to make sure to catch a little extra sun. I might have put, like, a little extra fertilizer around it and, like, talk sweet notes to it. You know, because right. because to me it was just, like, once I had a small sense of relief in co-parenting with Brent, it was addictive in the best way possible because it was just, like, it made me feel good with no ego built into it. Not because it did anything for me because it did nothing for me because I had to take the the bullet a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I had to, you know, lay down the sword and just say, this is, I I just need to say the right thing to get this conversation back into the goal that we're focused on. Not, I'm not, I'm not manipulating the conversation. I'm getting it back to where it needs to be. That has nothing to do with the past that you and I have issues I've said my piece the best I can to you, and I'm showing you that this is how I can be best to you in your, our life together now. I can't be anything other than this right now. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, like what you had said, like, you know, we were talking about Ethan's parents and stuff, you know, it's like I became his friend again. You know, it, it was very quick that when 
I was as happy as I could be. I, I knew that I was really happy in my current relationship that I wanted that for him too. Because he was, he was a great guy in our relationship in terms of being a devoted person. Uh, he was very loyal. And I took advantage of that. And I felt like a piece of crap, of course. But, it, but being able to see what I had in terms of contentment and feeling secure in my current relationship, it was like, I, I, I can't never give that to him or say that I'm sorry. And I don't even want to bring up in conversation in that way because that's just, one, I think it only relieves me of the mm -hmm. guilt. But number two, I don't know where he's at in this healing process. So I don't need to like re-trigger the wound if it's halfway healed. Right. So, you know, all I did instead was just show up as a friend and as a human and that changed the dynamic of our relationship because I knew that he needed a lot to heal in relationships. I knew his perspective on, I, you know, I was with him for 12 years. So I knew his parents' dynamic. They were never married. I knew what he was going through, you mm -hmm. know? And so I, that changed things for us very quickly. I'm not saying that that would probably change everything for all y'all. And you're like, I don't want to even listen to this person. <laughs> and they're, you, I know, I get it. I get it. Some Sometimes there would be a 45-minute conversation, and I'm not saying that I wish that he would have just stopped talking. I was just like, that's part of that was part of the process. That doesn't happen as frequently now. Now he's in a very happy, committed relationship, and I adore the lady that's helping to influence my kid. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, I just want to put this in here as a very short thing. It's like, you know, she lives in Texas, and he still lives here in Nebraska, and I brought it up to him first about a conversation about him moving to Texas. Not in a, so, uh, I suppose that maybe someday you're going to move, right? No, it was like in co casual conversation and something about, that'd be really cool to live in Texas someday, don't you think? And he looked at me like, did you just say that? Like, almost relief. Like, I never would have known how to bring that up to her that I'm considering. Well, you've been with her for a while. Why would I not? If it's serious, I'm sure you've had conversations about it. It's okay for us to talk about it. We can be, you can still be a family wherever. You right. don't have to worry about upsetting me that you're screwing your kid over as long as you're still going to be a present dad. Right. You're, you've been great so far. Why would I have any, any, any concern that that would change because your location changes? Mm -hmm. But most people can't operate from that three second pause. That has yeah. nothing to do with me that he is happy in a relationship or a reflection of the fact that he can't stay here and help me parent. It's it's hard. I get it. I get it. But when you when you look at it from that side, it sounds stupid, right? It sounds silly to get no. upset about it. Yeah, well, it sounds yes, it sounds silly to, to get upset to, about to get it. About it, yes, it does. It doesn't. It's not again. The emotion won't happen. Yeah, it can happen. But how do you want to feel? Because you can't feel more than one thing at once. It's just if you can, you you might feel like you are, but no, that's just a mess that you swing through anger and frustration to depression and to whatever. But you're not you cannot feel happy, angry at the same time. You just can't. No, you can you can try and convince yourself that you do, but then you truly you truly are just feeling anger and are trying to put on a facade of being happy. But it's like one of my favorite things. It's like you know, like when the kids are trying to be all angry with you. And they like they trip or something, and then they immediately laugh. And you're like, oh, that's the best because now you can't even be mad. Yes. You can't be mad. Just imagine that, and, and when you know that's genuine and authentic, and everybody else laughs too, like that. How how powerful is it to have that recognition right here, right now, that you can do that? Mm -hmm. You can do that in any emotion. That's anger, and anger is one of the lowest. All right, I'm not suggesting that you know like. Well, this is actually did happen. I was going to say, I'm not suggesting if somebody's like in the ICU, like you crack a joke and make everybody laugh, but that does happen. Oh, it does. It does happen. I, my grandma was in the burn unit for like six months and then had to be 
She had to go to Madonna. So it was a long thing. But we did, like, but there, we had to sit in the burn unit, like, in the waiting room. It's just obviously different than their regular units. And you have to be in special gear. Can't see her. You can't go in there. So what are you going to do? Just make jokes. Keep the spirits up. Otherwise, what kind of energy are you sending in there? And, and the, the most important place for her to be healing. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, you just don't recognize it. You don't recognize it, but you walk into a room and people are fighting, you know that you can feel energy. Oh, God, yeah. Right? We know. We know what tension oh, feels like. Yes. You don't, know, you don't know these people. You don't know what they're fighting about, but you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, it's... Oh, God. I know this is like a side tangent, but like, you know, the, the hippie that is slowly growing in me and understands vibration and energy, like, it, it makes me like pull my hair out a little bit when people who are totally like against anything like woohoo-y and like... They're like, oh, that's just it's making not fact, that up. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm like, but almost everyone in my life has said the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what do you think that is? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that is? Like, yeah. that is vibration. That is feeling. That is what you're putting out into the world. And Brett and I have had this conversation a couple of times, and it it used to anger him, frustrate him, because he has told me that he had the exact same conversation with his ex-wife at times, but that... Um, he is not like a, um, a type of angry person that like is angry all the time, but when he gets angry, you can feel it in the room. And so, you know, when he was married to his ex-wife, he used to work at the state penitentiary. And so her complaint or like her obser observation would be that when he would come home from work, he brought that energy from work yeah, sure, back home sure, sure. and it just brought the whole level of the house down. Like it made everyone else's energy go down. Um, and so he got mad because he didn't, he couldn't understand that. And then my, like my observation is that when he starts to get frustrated, he starts to get kind of tunnel vision and he can't forget this one problem in front of him until he fixes it. Like he has to solve the problem, solve the puzzle, whatever. But in doing so, his, like his anger rises and everyone else's skin, like hairs stand up on their arms like because we can feel the energy is changing the energy is almost getting sucked out of the room and focusing on his tunnel vision as to whatever object or problem is in the room oh i just think it said the energy literally is changing like the yeah, frequency in the room the is... frequency changes and so we had that conversation recently and it kind of i think it finally clicked for him is that it's just slow it, it's slow yeah. but it's it's such a relief when people like finally understand what you're trying to, I'm not trying to accuse you of something. I'm not trying to tell you that you're doing something wrong. I'm trying to explain to you. It's, it's the recognition. Cause and effect. Yeah. It's recognition. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So what's funny that you say that is because when we talk about the energy, we yeah. know like when you're giggling and your la laughter is infectious because mm -hmm. it's the same thing. It's a higher frequency mm -hmm. and you feel better in that frequency. Yeah. Um, I think frequency and vibration are hard for people because that feels, that's the woohoo-y. But when you talk about like walking into a room and feeling what, if you call it the energy, translate that word to whatever we're talking about. Exactly. But that's, that's what it is. And here's what's funny when we talk about woohoo-y, right? Because I was telling this to Tony the other day because I always like to like plant the woohoo-y seeds, right? I'm like, um, so first of all, that's proof how, how not only are there senses that we don't know that we have. Mm -hmm we they're just beyond our scope it's the same thing like you know like dogs their sense of smell is so much bigger than ours and okay. their vision's terrible comparatively or whatever it's the same thing is that we have these other senses that are beyond the five that we have but we forget mm -hmm. so that that part is all that's all part of being a little bit psychic yeah. i know the word creeps people out but what i mean paranormal paranormal <laughs> paranormal 
um, whatever you want to put into it, witchcrafty, I don't care, but that's what it is. Like that's an extra sense that you can feel frequency in a room. Um, but this is what I was telling him is like, so I had read in this book that like when, when, since kids are still so much closer to source cause they just got here. Right. Like when they space out, it's because that's what they're doing. It's like they like literally have left the body real quick. Yeah. And the body's just chilling because, you know, the autonomic, it knows how to keep itself. And she's just, you know, like, she's like, I mean, part of it's here. It's like, she's got one foot in the head still. And she's just like checking out what's going on with the universe until somebody's like, Livy, come back. Oh right. Literally, like, and then she yeah. comes zooming back full body. Right. But that's why I told him, I said, that's, they say that's part of being psychic too. If you think about it, theoretically, you, that's a psychic ability for you to be somewhere, but be somewhere else. Yeah. You know, when you talk about like coming, uh, this is side tangent, obviously, to parenting, but it's important because it's in that recognition and control of your emotions. You talk about like the you get home and you forget how you get home because you oh, do it God, so often. I so often. So there, I think that's a cliche thing, but again, you tap a little bit further into it about the psychic ability portion of it. Is where were you? Where were you? Because you were somewhere else, and while you're like, well, my body was still here. Well, the body's just the thing. Right. The body was the thing. So you, but you were so capable of being, I don't know, I was thinking about my Colorado trip is coming up, so I was really excited about being in the mountains. Well, you're in the mountains all of a sudden. Yeah. You're in the mountains. So the body's just a thing. Um, no, I... But those are the recognition of the woohoo things that allow you to tap into the emotions, yeah. would allow you to tap into the skill of, like, taking the three-second pause, which allows you to, like, really focus on what the intention of the conversation is with the parenting person, right? <laughs> well, good. Yeah. I just needed it for I needed it painted out for me because uh-huh. sometimes... It is difficult for myself and many others to see the connections between things without it being... Right, because right now it's just a jumbled mess in there. Yes. It's just the autopilot things again. Yeah, that's right. That's what you're doing. You're looking for the new habit. It is. Um, Side note for everybody following along with my pregnancy, um, I raised my energy a little bit and Miss Harper woke up and started kicking me. Hey! That's because it definitely is lighter in here. We turned the fan on too, so the yeah. just feels good. Feels nice in here. Feels nice in here for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So it is definitely a step by step process. I think that um, you know one of the other things that we have a little bit of time to talk about because um, I think a, a parenting ugh, podcast could have definite extensions. Oh god, yeah. Um, but all of that stuff is definitely work on yourself. Um, and I don't know what your path needs to be. Like, for some people, it needs to be just to focus on the children. I think that usually is easier for most people. Most people, they're like, of course, a kid comes first. But I will be completely honest and say, you know, that at the beginning um, of being a mom in general, it was one of the worst times I could have had a child, not for the sake of having cold, but because I was just, I was nothing in terms of being a, a, a a capable adult in raising a kid besides keeping him alive. Like I wasn't nurturing him. I wasn't giving him more than his basic needs and a little bit more than that. Like in terms of emotional growth and spirituality exposure, any of those types of things, because I was so immature and I was so lost in my own drama at the time. Well, that's the thing is that I've had lots of conversations recently because I'm expecting my first biological child, um, in just a hundred short days. Um, something in my eye now um but i've had a lot of conversations with moms that have you know from all backgrounds but something that a lot of seasoned moms and i say seasoned as in like their kids are a little bit older or they've had multiple kids is that when you put your child first most of the time you put yourself on the back burner which is dangerous yes then you put your own physical and mental health on the back burner just naturally like it just happens 
And then... But you also think that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. That's what everyone's conditioned mothers to think, is that you are... Now that you are a mom, you are supposed to sacrifice every part of your being to to create a successful child. You grow, nourish, love another human being more than yourself. And if you don't, then you're selfish. But what the theme that I have found a, a lot from a lot of women, and I mean a lot of women as in I've posted this question, like what, what, what do you wish you knew or had help with when, you, when you, your baby was first born? And a lot of women, like hundreds of women, have, have commented very similar things about, I wish I would have taken more time for myself figured out who I was as a person. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I wish I would have focused more on myself because then I wouldn't, I would have gotten frustrated less or exhausted. Been more intentional with my message. Yes. Yeah. Because you do, I think, you know, even just being a stepmom right now is that when you are tired, when you're exhausted, when you feel like you're worn out and that you have nothing left to pour, that's when you start to forget all of the things that you want to, you wanted to do with your children. That's when you forget all of the things that, how you wanted to speak to your children, how you wanted to nourish them. And you go, you start acting from a place that I think is, um, it's not primal, but it's a, well, it's your it's autopilot. Your auto, it's your yeah. autopilot, and it's it's what you know. So you pull, you start to pull from things that you know from experience. So that's when you start parenting like your mother or your father. And I, I mean, I've done this with my stepkids a couple of times. I'm like, I'm like, God, I just sound, I sound just like my dad, and I never wanted to sound like him as a parent because I honestly like he was a shit parent growing up, but he was pulling from what he knew. Right. Um. And so, I truly believe that it's a, you cannot say like. I think it's a dangerous statement to, to keep saying, put your, put the children first. You have to take ego out of certain situations and focus on the children and what you want for them. But you have to learn how to put yourself first for health and mental health reasons. And just know that put the children first only in my opinion. Okay. This is all my opinion. Putting the children first only comes into play when you're talking about your ego, um, or like emotions in, relation to other adults. <laughs> um, when you're talking about how you're going to nourish and love and help raise. Yeah, you're talking about co-parenting. Yes, co-parenting. So like put the child per- first when it comes to co-parenting. Right. But when it comes to actually raising your child, you have to dedicate some time to yourself and energy to yourself because. Oh, I think so too. I think that, that people would be surprised at how if they just put more work into them, it would just easily flow into everything else. Like, 100%. that's what happened. That's how personal development happened for me was that I was just, I always say accidentally, like mm-hmm. accidentally looking for a way to build myself as a leader. I just felt like I was ready to move a little faster and I was really ill-equipped for that tool set. Yeah. So I started reading books and it just happened like the one of the very first ones was like massively tied to personal development and through what I was implying into my business, I was like, well subconsciously using it in my relationships. Yes. Because it all worked. Yeah. I mean, everything is involving people anyway. So you'll be surprised at as long. I mean, like I don't sit down and take a bunch of courses that have homework or you have to like turn, churn out stuff, you know, like that delivers results because it will all do it naturally. When you heal your broken two year old self, when you put your ego aside, when you do all of those things, you'll just start operating from the place that always made you feel good, which was to do the right thing, which was, 
as close to what you could define it to as, yes. as, as possible. I think, I think next week we're going to have to dedicate the whole podcast to how to talk to children or like, sure. um, tips and tricks to talking to children because I think or perspectives on how to talk to children. Yes. Because I mean, the, the thought bubble that just popped into my head is how much easier would it be to train? Like, cause coming from us, the place of a stepmom who came from a broken home and uh, abusive childhood, things like that. Like, I obviously don't want to resort to treating my stepchildren or my biological children, my, what, any child on planet Earth, the way that I was treated as a child. And when I get exhausted, frustrated, whatever, that's you start to resort back to your past experiences and you start to, to emulate your childhood again, your broken two-year-old self. So it's how much easier would it be to never do that if you started to re started to heal yourself and retrain your brain on how to speak to yourself and treat yourself. Because if you start to do that for you, it's so much easier to spill that over and pour that into little people and other, and to your relationships and who your work experiences, like how to deal with difficult coworkers. There is no one more difficult to deal with than my own monkey brain. Like mm -hmm. if I'm being true and honest, it doesn't matter who I hate the most in this world and hates a strong word, strong emotion. But the most difficult person to deal with on planet Earth is the little self-speak inside my brain, how I treat myself. Well, I mean, that's true, but the problem is, is that most people don't know it. They don't. They just, like, they think that because they're so externally trained that these things on the outside are what bring me happiness. People are what bring me happiness. And when that all goes away, whether it's because of looks, the loving husband that you've had in your life for 75 years the house that you built from scratch, whatever, those are objects and symbols that brought you your happiness. So when you start searching for, from within, I mean, it's just this bundle of everything. It's this bundle of love and joy and expansion and creation and flow. And I don't even, I could go on forever, but um, we can include that in the podcast next week because there, you know, there's such a, this dichotomy that when, because there's love and joy that there has to be an opposite to it, which is bad mm -hmm. and negative. And that's just something that we made up. Yeah. We made up that there has to be an opposite to it. So we can talk a little bit about that too. And hopefully that can bring a little bit more relief too. So if you felt like you got something from this, we really want to appreciate, uh, tell you that we appreciate you tuning in and that we recommend sliding it into a DM of a friend if you need to. Um, you could even slide it into your co-parents inbox. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, they did it because they love you. It's not because they want to criticize you. It's because they know that you're doing the best that you can and that you have your thoughts about what is best for making decisions for your child. And they do as well. And it's not that either of you are wrong. It's just that it's different people. So what can you com compromise on? What can you throw out that works for neither of you? And uh, what can you cultivate new that works for everybody? That's my best advice. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody wins that way. And then you can go on like family trips together. Like it would, I'm telling you, the kids love that kind of stuff. When they can have everybody they love and the same area it's great yeah, so it sounds beautiful yeah i know uh tell them where they can find you photos of the anderson.com or on facebook also make sure to search for that secret group it's boudoir photos with anderson or just at me because i like friends <laughs> yes uh you can also find me on facebook uh i'll be doing a live every monday per the usual except for on holidays i decided i'm gonna take those off Smart. yeah and the private group gave 18 years or older and feminine energy to be a part of it I can get you invited to that empowerment class is coming up as well. Chef Tone's Kitchen sometimes. I don't know. It's not my page. So all I know is I get to eat all the good foods. So that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. So thanks again for tuning in. We appreciate you. Stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Bye.